Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Author John Hatfield once shared a true story. He writes, we were standing outside at the Atlanta airport waiting to have our baggage checked. We noticed that some people ahead of us gave the sky cap a dollar or two tip as they asked him to handle their baggage or to make sure that it made it to the right flight. But the man standing just in front of us took a different approach. He didn't offer a tip, but he sternly lectured the sky cap about taking special care of his two bags. He swore loudly when one of the bags tipped over accidentally, and then he angrily stomped off into the terminal. And as we stepped up to take our turn, the skycap's broad grin caught our attention. We asked him how he was able to keep smiling given the anger of some of the difficult people that he had to serve. What do you mean? The skycap asked. Well, you know, that angry fellow that just swore at you, replied. He, they, we replied, and the skycap smiled again, and he said, oh, that dude. He said, people like that, they're, they're easy. You see, he's headed to L.A., but his bags are going to Detroit. <laughs> so if you've lost your bags, it may be your fault. So, <laughs> Someone once said, when you let anger get the best of you, it brings out the worst in you. And there are times when it is very difficult, even for those who are patient, for us to control our anger. And when anger is out of control, we know that it can be very damaging, very destructive. It can destroy marriages, families, friendships, even churches and nations. I've read that there are three different kinds of anger. There is powder keg anger. And the person that has power keg anger has a very short fuse, and it goes off often and loudly and just boom, and it doesn't take much to set them off. There's also crockpot anger. Last night, I inadvertently referred to it as crackpot anger, but I think there's some of that too. <laughs> but like a crockpot, it can just simmer and stew for days or months or even years. It's the kind of anger that can begin with a little grudge and it just bubbles beneath the surface of our lives for a very long time until it affects every facet of our life. And then there is pressure cooker anger. It's the kind, and we all know people like this, it just keeps a lid on the anger until one day we just explode. And when it does, the people around us better watch out because there will be collateral damage. When anger becomes too frequent or too intense or too prolonged, it can become very destructive. In our first lesson for today, Paul has what I think are some very helpful insights for dealing with anger. He begins by saying in verse 26, be angry but do not sin. Be angry but do not sin. In other words, Anger in and of itself is not a sin. It is not necessarily a bad thing. It's what we do with that anger that is important. In fact, 
There are times in our lives when anger is justified, and it can be a good thing. It can be a constructive, positive force. For example, I think of a dear, sweet Christian lady named Rosa Parks who sat down on a bus one day in Montgomery, Alabama, after a long day at work. And she was told by the bus driver that because of the color of her skin, she would have to get up and she would have to go to the back of the bus. And Rosa Parks got angry, and she stood up to injustice. And because of her anger, our nation is a better place. Sometimes righteous anger can motivate the world to become a better place. When we choose to build constructively with our anger, not to tear down. Or when we look for a solution or a compromise. Or when we speak the truth in love, not hate. When we take a stand that we ought to, but we do so with careful humility rather than careless pride. When Paul says, be angry but do not sin, he's clearly reminding us that there is an appropriate and a healthy way to process our anger, to channel our anger in a healthy way. And then in verse 26, Paul gives us some of the best advice in all of Scripture for dealing with our anger. He says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. One modern paraphrase says, do not go to bed angry. Now, you won't always be able to resolve everything literally before sunset, but it is important to address it while it's still fresh. I shared this with some of you in our daily pandemic devotions that we emailed out to everyone during the pandemic. But we we live in a beautiful old house just a block or so from church here that's almost 150 years old. And one of the conveniences that we do not have in our home is an automatic dishwasher. But actually, we do have two dishwashers named Ann and Brent. And I have to clarify that usually Ann does the dishes. I have to make sure I say that because if it gets back to her that I said we both do the dishes all the time, I'm in trouble. So I will be doing them. So, But we have become experts at washing dishes. We've learned that if you wash the plate right away, the food remnants just rinse right off, no problem. However, if you leave those dirty dishes and let them just stack up on the sink or in the sink or, or on the kitchen counter, and you wait to rinse them, you will have a real mess, and you will have to scrape and scrub and really work to clean the dishes. And Paul's words here today remind us that it is the same way with hard feelings. Anger turns hard very quickly. And so Paul encourages us to clean up the anger when it first appears, before it becomes hard. That's why he says, do not let the sun go down when you're still angry. Today is the best time to begin to let go of hard feelings. Take it from a veteran dishwasher, the longer you wait, the harder it gets. In verse 29, Paul gives us another helpful word for dealing with anger. He says, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. And then he says that your words may give grace to all who hear. I love that phrase, that your words may give grace to all who hear. In other words, choose your words carefully. Think before you speak. Speak. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says it beautifully, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
Now, Paul is not saying that we should just button up, that we should never express our hurt, our anger, but rather he is saying that taking this some time and carefully choosing our words can help to diffuse our anger or the anger of others and allow us to deal with the situation in a healthier, more positive manner. Healthy anger seeks to speak the truth in love with grace. It says, I care about you, but right now I am hurt, I'm frustrated. Here's how I feel and why I feel this way. Just an honest confession of your, your hurt, your anger. As Paul said, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. Now there are times, and we all know this, when our anger is certainly justified. And the hurt and the pain can be very deep at times. And Paul understood how difficult it can be to overcome anger. And just as we sometimes need a scouring pad and a lot of elbow grease to wash dirty dishes, sometimes we need extra help to begin to let go of our hard feelings and our anger. So in verse 32, Paul tells us what that scouring pad is, what the antidote to anger is. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And then he says, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Paul is reminding us that God doesn't take his anger out on us, even though we may deserve it. And as we reflect on the cross and how very patient and forgiving God has been toward us, then it becomes possible for us to begin to release our anger and to, to let go of it and to extend forgiveness and grace and mercy even to those who may have hurt us. All God asks is that we give the same gift of grace to others that He has already given to us. Author James Moore tells a true story about a man named George. George was a, a wonderful guy with a, a big heart and a great sense of humor. And George was loved by everybody, by his children and by his neighbors and his friends and his church family. And he was respected and admired at the hospital where he'd worked for many years in the finance department. And George's children remember the days that he spent in the hospital before his death. One, of, one day, one of the custodians came into his hospital room and, to visit George, and they spoke as though they were old friends, and they had a wonderful visit. And the same afternoon, the administrator of the hospital dropped in to pay him a visit, and they too had a warm, cordial visit. And when the hospital administrator left, one of George's children turned to him and said, Dad, did you realize that you treated the CEO of the hospital exactly as you treated the janitor? And he smiled and he chuckled and he said, well, let me ask you this. If the hospital administrator left for two weeks and the custodian left for two weeks, which one do you think would be missed the most? <laughs> but then he gathered, gathered his children around his bed and he said, let me show you something that I always carry in my pocket every day, even when I mow the lawn. And he pulled two things out of his pocket. He had a pocket-sized cross that had some words inscribed on it. And he also had a pretty good-sized marble that had some words printed on it. And he showed them, he said, on the cross are written these words, God loves you. 
And on the marble are these words, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And then he said, this cross reminds me of how much God loves me, how deeply God loves me. And this marble reminds me of how deeply God wants me to love others. You see, the answer to anger is to immerse ourselves in God's grace and God's love. And the cross reminds us that God is immeasurably loving and kind and gracious to you and to me. And we cannot possibly repay God's kindness. But all we can do is pay it forward, pay it forward by being gracious and kind and forgiving toward others. Hear Paul's words once more. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Amen.